Amen. You can make your way to your seats. Good morning and welcome to Uncommon Church and happy Easter, happy Resurrection Sunday. What an honor to have you guys in the house of God today. I see a lot of visitors today and you're wondering, what, are these people nuts? Yes, apps were a totally crazy for Jesus. I said last Sunday, we will no longer golf clap Jesus. What he did on the cross, what he did by, by, by defeating sickness and death and hell and the grave, and what we celebrate today by, by being resurrected to life from death, that is not worthy of a, well, bravo, Jesus, well done. No, 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 friend. We're the kind of people that are gonna give him honor and praise and glory. And, and, and like the woman last week we talked about, we're gonna fall at his feet and break open our alabaster jar and pour out our worship and our adoration because he is God and he is good. So you're in the right place today. I want to welcome those that are watching online. Where's the red light? There's a red light. I want to welcome you that are watching online. What an honor that you would join us to celebrate our risen Savior today. Uh, we pray blessing, and, and I know a couple of you are sick today, so we speak healing over your body in the very name of Jesus. We're going to celebrate communion at the end of this service, so you've got 30 minutes to go get some bread and some juice or some wine. We're going to believe God to release healing into your sick bodies today because of celebrating the body and blood of the Lord Jesus. You guys excited about that as well? Man, I love communion. You're like, wow, they even shout for communion. Dude, we shout for everything here. We're just so excited that we're not going to hell. We're just so excited that we're not in jail today or in the hospital today. We're excited about everything. You know what I'm saying? We're excited to be sitting in, talk about a man that spent six weeks in, in hospital. He's like, yeah, I'm glad I'm not in the hospital today. Come on, somebody. So you visitors are like, oh man, this is an uncommon church. Yep. <laughs> because we serve an uncommon God. I mean, there's many people all around the world that worship various gods, but we worship an uncommon God. We love an uncommon God. Why? Because he's the only God who's alive today. He's the only God who's alive today. He's conquered sin and sickness and death and hell and the grave. And Jesus is alive and we celebrate him and we honor him. The resurrection of Jesus is the single most important event in history. And I don't mean Christian history. The resurrection of Jesus is the single most important event in world history. It, it matters what we do today. It, it matters how we celebrate today because Jesus is victorious. Jesus is the champion. It is the most significant event in history. And if you've been with us for the last few weeks, either here on campus or watching online, we've been talking about various dead raising miracles because I've been trying to do surgery on your faith. I've been trying to have you examine your faith. Do we have faith to believe in the resurrection of the dead? Do we have faith to believe to raise the dead? Three weeks ago, we talked about Lazarus, that Jesus was, he was a beloved friend of the family and he came and he brought Lazarus from death back to life. I don't mean after four minutes or four hours, after four days, he brought Lazarus back to life. Two weeks ago, we talked about Jairus' daughter, she died. Jesus went to her house and he raised this little baby girl from the dead. And then um, those aren't the only dead-raising stories. That we get. The very first dead-raising story goes all the way back to 1 Kings chapter 17. The prophet Elijah raised the son of Zarephath, had died, and uh, Elijah healed, uh, brought healing back to this body, this little boy, and brought him from death to life. But then Elijah had a, a, a disciple, a student named Elisha, right? And um, Elisha in um, 2 Kings chapter 4, he raised the Shunammite's woman from, uh, woman's son from the dead. Now, just a little side note on Elisha. When Elisha was training under Elijah, he said, listen, teacher, I want to do what you've been doing. 
I wanna do twice as what you've been doing. Do you remember that? Elisha asked the prophet Elijah for a double portion of the anointing that was on Elisha's life. So fast forward, Elisha does all these great miracles and, and he prophesies to the nation of Israel and then he died and was buried in a cave, right? Fast forward years, there's some Moabite hoodlums, thieves, criminals, and they were raiding in the land. And uh, I, I, one of the guys died. One of the Moabite bad guys died. And they were looking around because there was good guys coming. You know, the, the sheriff was coming and there was somebody said, 5-0. And uh, so they all started running. And they're like, what do we do with the dead guy? So they just threw him into the nearest cave and ran off. When the dead man's body touched the bones of Elisha, he was raised back to life again. Those bones began to rattle. So I'll tell you this, revival isn't for the super Christian. I only get one amen on that one. That was a pretty good. Revival isn't just for the super Christian. Revival is for those that are out on thieving, raiding, you know, getting drunk, getting high, sleeping with people you're not married to missions as well. You, you're, you can be revived as well. Because sometimes we think that when we cry out to God and we sing the song for revival, that's only for the G.I. Joe super Christian. No, no, no. That's for the, the thieving, the dead inside Moabite that gets thrown on and touches the bones of Elisha and is brought back to life. Fun fact, just on a side note on top of a side note, Remember, Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's ministry, of his anointing. And if you look in the scriptures, there's recorded 14 miracles by the prophet Elijah. Here's the problem. Elisha's ministry only recorded in scripture 27 miracles. Number 28 came when the dead man's body touched Elisha's bones. So if you have been waiting for God to do a miracle in your life, it's never too late. If you think that it's too late for God to move, if you think the dream is too far gone, I'm telling you, no matter how dead it is, God can still move in your life. Some of you are going to be like, oh, it's one of those shouting, clapping, amen kind of services. It's Easter. Of course it is. He's alive. What? If you're never going to shout, you're going to shout in this message. Because let's look at Jesus's ministry. Lazarus wasn't the first person he raised from the dead. The first person that's recorded that Jesus raised from the dead, it seems like an accident. It seems like a coincidence because Jesus and his entourage comes to town and their posse intersected a funeral procession. It's recorded in Luke chapter seven, verse 11. Soon afterwards, Jesus went, into the disciple, went with the disciples into the village of Nain. There was a large crowd who had followed Jesus. Verse 12, a funeral procession was actually coming out of the village gate and approached Jesus and the boys. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. Now in ancient Israel, this meant that her husband had died, her son had died, this woman was about to become a homeless person. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. When the Lord saw this funeral procession and when he saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion and said, don't cry. He walked over to the coffin, he touched it, and the pallbearer stopped. He said to the coffin, young man, I tell you, get up. And the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mama. See, Jesus had the power to bring revival to dead things. So sometimes you're, you think your faith might be dead, or this marriage might be dead, or your finances might be dead, or physically, that, that there's something that you think God can't do. You have taken the king of the universe and you've put him in a little box and you've called it my faith. 
And I'm telling you, nothing is impossible for our God. It doesn't matter how dead it is or how unlikely it is. Jesus said to that dead uh, boy, little boy, it's time to get up. It's a good thing he said little boy or everybody would have gotten up that had ever died. You know what I'm saying? He turns to mama, moved with compassion and says, mama, don't cry. It might seem calloused because of course we're gonna cry when we are mourning the death of someone. But Jesus says, mama, don't cry. There's two things that I wanna point out to you right here. We, when we mourn, Jesus mourns with us. When you lose a loved one, when you lose a friend and you're mourning, Jesus has compassion on you and he mourns with you. Number two, you've gotta get your life to intersect with Jesus's life so that he can bring revival to the dead things that are in your heart. You've gotta get yourself in church, you've gotta get yourself in Wednesday night, you've gotta get yourself in a youth group during the week, you've gotta get yourself serving on a dream team. If you haven't been in church in a while, you've gotta get yourself in a great church so that your life can intersect with the power of the resurrected one. Don't cry, just intersect Jesus. You're about, you're about to experience walking revival. So for Lazarus, Mary and Martha's faith was empowered when, she, when Lazarus was raised from the dead. For Jairus, and if you remember on the way to Jairus' house, the woman with the issue of blood, their faith, the Bible records, was rewarded. For this little boy, for this mama, there was no faith. The boy was dead. What moved the hand of revival was compassion. God had compassion on this mama. God had compassion on Uncommon Church. God had compassion on you. God had compassion on the mid-cities. So he poured out his power to revive. You have to imagine, it's the first recorded dead raising. Jesus is walking along and he's got the posse with him and they intersect the funeral processional. And he's like, wait a second. The kingdom of God has power over death. And I was there when we breathed life into Adam's body in the Garden of Eden. So I'm gonna walk up to this little boy and I'm gonna breathe that same life into this little boy. And I tell you, little boy, get up. God has the power over death and that's the key to our faith. That's the key to what we're talking about today. Jesus, what we celebrate on Easter, he is the resurrected one and everything hinges on the resurrection. The resurrection is the anchor of our soul. Today matters. It is the Super Bowl of our faith and our team won 2,000 years ago and he wins every day. What we're actually gonna read, our main text today, is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is not an Easter portion of scripture, but when have I done what's normal lately? <laughs> so uh, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you're in a digital Bible, flip over to the New Living Translation. Uh, if you're in a paper Bible, uh, there's nothing you can do if it's a different translation. So, um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was teaching the church in Corinth, a Gentile church that was new people that had put their faith in Jesus, and he was teaching them about the resurrection and he took 58 verses to talk about the significance of it. So we're gonna read all 50, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Uh, start in verse uh, 12. Tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection from the dead? Leave that verse up just for one minute, Josh. Here was, the, here was what was actually Paul was addressing. See, remember that believing in Jesus was a Jewish thing. And he's addressing a, a Greek church, a, a Gentile church. And the, the thinking of there being life after death was actually a Jewish thing. Most Jews believed in the resurrection when Messiah comes. There were some that didn't, but most Jews were, were still praying and believing for Messiah to come to Israel. And they did believe in the fact that there would one day be a resurrection when Messiah came. They missed the fact that Jesus is Messiah, but that's never here nor there. Greek culture, death was final. 
So here he is speaking to the church and he's actually dealing with their hearts because people were rejecting the Jewishness of believing in resurrection. And what Paul is telling them is, I'm telling you, if, if we're gonna believe in Jesus, we have to believe in the resurrection. We have to believe in having faith that God has power over death, verse 13. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Verse 15, we apostles would be lying about God for we have said that God raised Christ from the dead. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection from the dead. There is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and in fact, you're still guilty of all of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ have been lost. And if our hope is in Christ, stay, read this twice. If our hope is in Christ, is only for this life. If the only hope we have in coming to church is for this life, we are to be more pitied than anyone in the world. Other translations say we are more miserable than anyone in the world if there's no resurrection. Verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So when I say everything in life hinges on the resurrection of the dead, I ain't playing no games. This is, it doesn't just matter on Easter, it matters every day. This is Paul saying, if this one part of the gospel message is not true, then the whole message is trash and you can throw it out. That's what he's saying in verse 14. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. So to say, call yourself a Christian, it's not just that you believe in Jesus' resurrection on Easter. It's all day, every day, 24-7, you are mindful that we serve a resurrected Savior and that he is alive and sitting at the right hand of God forevermore. He goes on to say in verse 15, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then all the apostles, all the evangelists, all the pastors are liars. And then he, he doubles down in verse 17. He said, in fact, if Jesus was still dead, we're all still guilty of our sins. See, if we've sinned one time, the wages, the payment, the penalty of that sin is death. If you ever lied to your first grade teacher about doing your homework. I remember one of the very first times I willfully looked a grown up in the face and lied to him. I was probably six years old. I remember it scarred me that it's like, I just bold faced lied to that lady. If you've ever committed even one little baby sin, the Bible says that the, the payment, the price, the penalty of that sin is our death. Which is why it was so important that Jesus came and he lived a sinless life. And he took our sickness, he took our pain, he took our agony, he took our sin, he put it on his back and he took it to the cross. But if we live a life where our only hope is in this world, our only hope is in education, our only hope is in wealth, our only hope is in our career, our only hope is in our kids or our grandkids, our only hope is in that the Cowboys might one day win a Super Bowl. If this is the only thing, because we know it's not gonna be the Rangers this year, oh and two, looking bad doing it, no pitching, it's fine, I ain't mad. So, come on John Daniel, spend some money on pitching. My point is, if our only hope is for the things of this world, we are the most pitied people on the earth. And too many people today only find hope in this world. And sadly, this is also true in the church. I remind you that Paul was writing this letter to the church in Corinth when he said these things. Yeah, we believe in God, 
but we're not like crazy about Jesus like the uncommon people. Yeah, I go to church when it's convenient and fits my schedule, and I sometimes catch the live stream. I'm sure you people are homesick, so that's okay, that's totally different. We believe more in church. We believe more in preachers. We believe more in religion than we do in a risen savior. Our hope is in Netflix. Our hope is in our 401k. Our hope is in the government. Our hope is in our career. Our hope is in celebrities. Our hope is in people liking me. Our hope is that we never have to experience FOMO and miss out on something fun. I'm telling you, it's as if the church is just slowly dying and we need to be revived to live again. What is your favorite hospital show? Like, think about your favorite hospital show, whatever that is. There's a thousand of them. Maybe it's uh, the New Amsterdam, which I don't know why NBC still plays that since nobody watches it. Um, and it, it's got the bad guy from Blacklist, so I just can't watch it. Um, maybe it's the good doctor, and we're doing Doogie Howser over again. Maybe, maybe you liked House because you're rude, Josie. Maybe it's... Um, I say these things and you laugh, but they're not funny. So she tells me they're not funny on the way home. Uh, maybe you have no uh, scruples, so you like Grey's Anatomy and you like people having sex in the break room or something. I don't know. I'm not judging you. Yes, I am. <laughs> maybe you're old school and after Friends, you would watch ER. Or if that was too serious for you, you would watch Scrubs because you could laugh a little, LOL. But every single one of our favorite hospital shows has some sort of like, it's once a year, once every other year, where there's a bride in a wedding dress rolled in on the gurney, right? And the music's playing, dun, 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 and someone's like riding on top and you know, doing compressions and the whole thing, and there's blood and everything, and they, they roll her in, and, and your famous doctor is trying to save the life of this bride, trying to revive the patient. And of course, by the end of 58 minutes and 30 seconds, the doctor does this amazing thing and she lives, the bride gets to live. Why? Because a Hollywood writer, there's nothing more sad than a bride dying and a loving husband standing there watching. He's standing there in his bloody tuxedo and he's just, you know, there's nothing worse than that. And since we always, at the end of 58 minutes and 30 seconds, we want to smile a little bit, they always make her come back to life. She's been re revived. The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. And it is my opinion that the bride is sick and on life support. And never more now than ever before does the church need to be revived. So my heart's cry for this church and for our city is, Lord, send revival to Uncommon Church that your resurrection power would flow in this place. Father, unleash resurrection power in our hearts. Because the apostle Paul is saying, if our hope is in this world, we are to be pitied more than anybody else in the world. Our hope should be in walking revival in the resurrected savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, do to our church what you did to Adam in the garden of Eden and breathe life into the church body once again. We need you so desperately. But I'm telling you, this takes faith. It takes faith to believe in a resurrected Savior. There's some of you here this morning, perhaps some of you watching online, you're like, this guy has lost his mind. If he actually believes that Jesus was a real person that really died and really came back to life, yes, I am that crazy because I know that it takes faith to believe in the resurrection. It takes faith to believe in revival. And let me give you a test if you believe in resurrection power. When you get a headache, what's the very first thing you do? Grab a Tylenol or an ibuprofen or pray to the resurrected one. 
that'll tell you where your faith actually lies. When you need a breakthrough in your marriage, a breakthrough in your family, a breakthrough in your finance, a breakthrough in your body and health, a breakthrough in your mind and the anxiety and the depression and the addiction that you struggle with, what's the thing that you do? What the world does or you reach out to the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and say, Lord, I need you to move in this area of my life. What do you mean the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead? Romans chapter eight and verse 11, the spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. That would have been a good place to say amen. amen. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to our mortal bodies. He will give life to our hearts and minds. He will give life to our kids and our family. He will give life to our marriages. Because it's the same life-giving spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that is the one that we cry out to to resurrect our hearts and souls. Church, we've got to stop treating the Holy Spirit like he's some sort of red-headed stepchild. Oh, we believe in God the Father and thank God for Jesus the Son. What about the power of the Holy Spirit? Easy, freak. Let's not get carried away. The Holy Spirit is the power of God unto salvation. He is the wind that blows on the sails of revival in his church. You want revival? Get you a piece of chalk. Huh? You want revival? Get a piece of chalk and make a circle on the ground. And step into that circle and say, Lord, send revival right here, right now. If, if your mind has been sick, if your heart has been sick, if your marriage has been sick, if your kids have been sick, put them in that circle and say, Lord, I need resurrection power to move, to revive this area of my life. Remember, everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. It's the most important. Paul said, if Jesus didn't conquer sickness, sin, death, hell, and the grave, then we are fools to believe. Dr. Gary Habermas is a historian. He wrote a book called The Case for the Resurrection of Jesus. In this book, there's a little bit more than 2,200, 2,200 historical sources of Jesus' resurrection. So you might think, well, in 2,000 years, how accurate are some of his sources about Jesus' resurrection? Okay, how many sources do you need? What if there were, I don't know, 1,100 proofs of Jesus' resurrection, but I'm telling you, these were good. Would you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? What if Dr. Habermas only found 500, but these 500 proofs, historical proofs, man, they were rock solid. I mean, every single one. Yeah, the, the other 1,700, I don't know. But these 500, man, this is absolutely truth. Friend, I'm telling you, out of his 2,200 historical references to the resurrection of Jesus, what if 2,199 of them were bogus, but there was one proof of the resurrection of Jesus? We should spend our entire lives worshiping him and adoring him and living for him because he is Lord over death. He's Lord over sin. He's Lord over sickness. He's Lord over uncommon church. He's Lord over my marriage. He's Lord over my kids. Jesus is alive. So here's the most important point in this whole message. How many points did he have? One, Jesus is alive, therefore he can be known. That's good preaching right there. Jesus is alive, therefore he can be known. Personally. Go back to verse 20, we read it earlier. Christ has been raised from the dead, so he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. 
See, all of us are a part of a great harvest that when we die, we're not gonna die. We're gonna step from life to eternal life. Yeah, the body will die, but we will step into eternal life. Jesus was the first of a great harvest that will never die. We will never experience death. We will go from life to eternal life. If you just, we're not gonna take time to read the whole thing, but go down to verse 51 of this chapter that we're reading. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. Here's a secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. That's revival, to be transformed. The, the, the resurrection power is already alive on the inside of us. You are a walking revival wherever you go. You go to your work, you go to your school, you go to your grocery store, walking revival wherever you go. Which means when you sin, you are counteracting the power of revival operating in your life. When you, when you sin, when you get drunk, when you get high, when you look at porn, when, when you fool around with somebody you're not married to, when you lie, when you get angry, when you steal, when you flip somebody off on 183, when you sin, you're not acting like revival. You're acting like the things of this world. But remember, when our hope is in the things of this world, we are miserable and we are to be pitied more than anybody else in this world. So we have resurrection power living on the inside of us. My question is, what part of your life needs revival? Where is your faith? Maybe your faith is like an old campfire. It used to be this blazing thing when you still had wood from the back of the truck, but it's getting late at night. It's almost time to go to bed. And this thing that used to be burning on fire when you were in kids' church or youth church or when you were in college in that one group that you were so in love with Jesus, but right now your faith is just this little ember and it's died down. Paul said to Timothy, he said, I'm gonna remind you that you should fan into flame the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but of power and love and self-discipline. See, people that believe in resurrection power, they don't have a spirit of fear or timidity. See, the world today is, <clears throat> world, I don't know why I said world like a sixth grader. The world today <laughs> is driven by fear. But revival people, they walk in love. They walk in faith. They walk in power. They walk in self-discipline. So perhaps the embers of your faith have gone out. You're here this morning because you were nice to somebody that invited you, but you no longer believe. You don't believe in any of this nonsense. You think that this guy has lost his mind. Listen, I'm not out of my mind. I'm just out of your mind. My mind is fixed on Jesus. We have all sinned. We have all sinned. Therefore, we should have all died for our sin. But Jesus loves you so much that he took your place in the beating that night when he was beaten by the Roman soldiers. Jesus loves you so much that he laid on that cross and he stretched out his arms and he demonstrated his great love for you. See, we should have been beaten. We should have been crucified. But the Father God in heaven loved us so much that he put that punishment, he put that pain, he put that beating, he put that death on his own son, Jesus. And Jesus endured the agony of the cross. Why? Because God has power over death. Jesus loved us so much 
that he's put that same resurrection power on the inside of us. And I think Jesus is moved with compassion and sadness because so many of us live our lives apart from the resurrection power of Jesus. And we have living miserable lives that are meaningless, that are hopeless, that should be pitied. And that's the way unbelievers live. We in the church should walk in revival power. That we, we declare life and hope and peace and faith and wisdom and humility and compassion and freedom and breakthrough in every area of our lives. You need healing in your marriage. You need healing in your body. You need healing in your mind. You need healing in your finances. You need revival power. You need resurrection power to, to, to fan the flame of those embers of faith. Hop up on your feet. I want to pray for you. So this is the conclusion of about a month of teaching where I was trying to do surgery on your faith. I, I was intentionally messing around with your mind and your heart and preconceived religious ideas. Do you really have faith in the resurrection? Do you really have faith that Jesus was raised from the dead? Do you really have faith to raise the dead? And my big and only point of the day, Jesus is alive, so therefore he can be known. And today is your day of salvation if you don't know him. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I'm, I'm gathered here with friends this morning to honor you, to worship you. I've got folks here this morning and watching online. Some of these people are just as crazy as I am. We're, we're just recklessly in love with you, committed to you. We celebrate you on Easter. We, we celebrate you on tax day. We, we celebrate you when we're sick. We celebrate you when we're on the mountaintop and when we're in the valley. Lord, I've got some here this morning and watching online whose hearts have grown cold. There's still a little ember of faith. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you begin to blow with the winds of revival to bring back to life. And Lord, there's some people here this morning that just don't believe. It's, it's fine, they, they simply don't believe. I want you to speak to their hearts right now and reveal yourself to them. That they would know that you're not mad at them, that you're a miracle working God. Look up here at me, amen, I know, sorry, amen. Um, if, if you, without fibbing, without evangelizing, without telling a white lie, you've experienced the power of God in your life. Maybe God healed a broken marriage. You, you were able to forgive one another of an affair. Maybe God did a miracle in your body. You had a sickness or a pain and God brought healing. And I don't mean time or even doctors or Tylenol. I mean God brought a healing in your body. Maybe you were needing increased financially. You were out, your, your cupboards were bare and all of a sudden there was miracle food. That happened for Josie and I when we were in Bible college. It was Thanksgiving and we, when you're in Bible college, you're, you, you're dirt poor. I mean like poorer than dirt poor. And we didn't have a Thanksgiving. We were about to have peanut butter and jelly for Thanksgiving with our kids. And my sweet wife in her only second year of marriage, she cried out to God and said, Lord, I want a, a Thanksgiving turkey. I, I don't want to eat peanut butter and jelly and mac and cheese. And she prayed and she, she prayed in faith. We went to bed that night, and you're never gonna believe, but I bet you would. On Thanksgiving morning, we opened the door, and there was a turkey and all the fixings sitting right there in the morning. So here's my question. If you have ever experienced the power of God 
in any area of your life and you can absolutely 100% point and testify that it's God, I want you to raise one hand at me. Hey, unbelievers, how we doing? If you're watching online, there's hundreds of hands up right now. Or right, you can put your hands down because I'm gonna pray. Father, this is the moment right here where if there's people that have allowed their, their faith to grow cold, they've allowed the, the hearts to, to just, it's just a little baby ember. I pray you begin to fan that flame right now. There's people here this morning that thought that you weren't real, but they just saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hands go up to testify that our God is real and alive. I pray, Father, that these men and women would surrender their lives to you, repent of their sin, ask that you would forgive them and wash them and cleanse them and receive that gift of eternal life. Friend, I wanna pray for you, but it's your decision. You have to pray this prayer. You have to be willing to die to your old life so that you can live for Jesus. You have to be willing to, 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 to ask God to forgive you of your sin, and then from this moment on, you, you surrender your life to live for Jesus. This might be the first time in your life you've ever prayed this prayer. It might be the first time in a long time. But if that's you this morning, it would be my highest honor to lead you in that prayer. No one's looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and your heart's beating out of your chest because you have to get right with God today, you wanna pray this prayer, I want you to shoot your hand up right now and say, preacher, pray for me. I've gotta get right with God today. I see your hand in the back. Is there anybody else? Shoot your hand up real high. Just shoot your hand up and say, preacher, pray for me. Pray for me, pray for me. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Wow. That's hilarious. Look up here at me. Two weeks ago on a regular Sunday, like 12 people get right with Jesus. On Easter morning, there's one hand. That blows my mind. Because that means there's people in here this morning that you are so hard-hearted. She's like, no. Preacher, you're not gonna trick me into praying a prayer. Listen, I gain nothing from you getting right with Jesus. You gain everything. proud of you for raising your hand and wanting to get right with Jesus. I'm gonna lead you in, I'm gonna lead you in that prayer. We're all gonna help you. If you were just too chicken to raise your hand, God loves chicken people too. If you believe it in your heart, I want you to pray this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I repent of my sin. Forgive me. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I died to my old life so that I can live for you. I believe in resurrection power. So revive my life, revive my faith. I receive the gift of eternal life. So be my Lord, my King, and the lover of my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, I'm so proud of you, amen. All right, here's what we're gonna do. If you prayed that prayer, even if you raise your hand or not, I want you to reach back into the seat back in front of you and fill out that black connect card and let us know. Put your email address and your phone number and I want us to pray for you. In fact, why don't we have our prayer team come down to the front. If you need prayer for any reason, we wanna pray for you this morning. If you were one of those people that, that, that you didn't raise your hand, come let us know, we wanna pray for you. you. We wanna screw in a light bulb for you because you got right with Jesus today. Dude, come on! I'm so proud of you! Yeah, come on! <laughs> oh, I love it, I love it, I love it. 
So, if you're watching online, if you're watching online and you got right with Jesus today, whether you raised your hand or not, but you prayed and you believe in your heart, I want you to text the name Jesus to 817-405-2244. It's gonna give you an auto response form to fill out. Fill out that form and submit it because I want us to begin to pray for you and encourage you in your walk with God.